All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So I don't know if this is a big celebration for you, but it's the last week of original design. I know some people are like, thank the Lord, right? Uh, but anyway, we're going to be starting uh, this new series called Easter People. Really excited about that because it does a couple things. Uh, one, it leads us up to Easter Sunday, um, where again, uh, we'll be sharing the Easter story and what it looks like to live a resurrected life. But leading up to it, we're going to look at different people or different people's stories of how it affected them. So how was it that, as an example, or first week, we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. So how is it that Mary Magdalene fit into the story of Jesus being able to go to the cross and being able to resurrect? Like, how does Mary Magdalene fit into it? And this is the other important part. So once somebody like Mary Magdalene sees a risen Christ, what do they do? Right? So we're going to be looking at stories of people from the concept of what led them up to, what was the effect that they had, you know, what was it before Jesus has died and, or Jesus died that gave the opportunity for that to happen, and then how did it change their life after the resurrection, and then we'll celebrate Easter Sunday together as a church. Here's the other thing. So trying to do things that we can do together as a church. Um, and so on our app, there is a resource tab. And I was told it was at the bottom, now it's at the top. Um, so you go to the resource tab. And when you go on to that resource tab, there is this thing called March Prayers. And so what we're going to be doing is there's certain prayers that you could be praying throughout the month of March centered around a theme. And the theme is the lost. So we believe that if we pray in unity together, because here's what we know, or at least I hope you know, the opportunity to reach people for Jesus Christ, people being open to the gospel, we know that the Easter uh, month or the weeks leading up to Easter, people are more open to hear the message of Jesus than they are at any other time of the year. So praying in unity for lost people and praying this, because this will be one of your challenges. You know, I gave it to my high school small group. I want to give it to you guys too is, so in the month of March, I want you to pray for God to reveal somebody to you that you could invite to church. Somebody that needs Jesus or needs to hear the story. And I'm just a firm believer that if in unity we're praying together for God to open up our eyes and give us chances to talk to people, that'll give us chances to talk to people. Give us chances to invite people. Now, will they come? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's not my job to decide, nor does your job to decide how the outcome of it is. It's only my job to say, you ask me to invite, I'll invite, right? And we'll let God do the rest of those things. So go onto the app, pray with us, pray together as we continue to focus on what it looks like to pray for lost people. Now, we're bringing it to the end um, of this series, and I'm not going to do a recap at all. You know, we do a lot of recaps. We're not going to recap at all this week of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. I just want to end it with this, is I want us to understand that this last message and everything that, we're gonna, that we did leading up to this leads to this point, right? And I know it might be somewhat of a disappointment to you when I say this, but the last message is called Together for the Gospel, and this is why. So it's not that I don't care about your marriage. It's not that I don't care about your kids. It's not that I don't care about you becoming a man or becoming a woman. But the motivation for you to become the man that God's created you to be by living inside of design 
The motivation for you to be able to be a woman living inside of design, the motivation for married couples to live inside of the design that God has is for only one reason, the gospel. Because here's what I know, okay? I know this just from experience and I know that this is the way that it works. If you come into this thinking, I'm going to live out my design and my marriage is gonna be good, I don't know. I really don't know that that's true. I don't know that on this side of eternity, you're going to see the benefits. I don't know that. I don't know on this side of eternity, if you choose to live out the way God has called you to live as a young man or a young woman, I don't know if you're gonna see the benefits on this side of eternity. But here's what I can tell you. The promises of God say this, you will see the benefits on the other side of eternity. Right? So the motivation to sit down, to talk, the motivation to work through the hard stuff with our kids and work through the hard stuff in our marriages, because I would just assume this, if you've had any conversation at all about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, and how this fits together in marriage, there have been some tense conversations. A few? Right? Like there's just some... And you know why that is, right? Because, because this is my fear, because I want you to hear this, this is that when young men, young women, when married couples, when we choose to take ground back from the enemy, you can know this, that he is going to come after you. So you just have to know that. Like if you're taking ground back, and when I say taking ground back, here's what, here's what I want you to see. Taking ground back, meaning that you've decided in your heart that you're going to do the best you can to live the way God's called you to. The desire of my heart is to be the man that God called me to be. The desire of my heart is to be the woman that God's called You can't think that Satan's just sitting there thinking, dang it. <laughs> right? Like Satan ain't sitting there saying, dang it. Here's what he is doing, and I, I, I want to even challenge you with this, because you could say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on. Bring it on. Well, I'm going to tell you how I think that it works with Satan. If you're ready, he attacks the ones that you love, not you. Listen, <laughs> because he knows if you're ready, the one thing that could break you is taking the ones you love and hurting them. Anybody? Like, yeah, you got it. Like, you're strong. But what if he attacks your children? What if he comes after those that are over here that you, you can't protect, right? You can do it for yourself, but you can't protect everybody that you love. Satan knows where to go. And when you start taking back ground, you can just understand that he's not happy about it, right? And so I, that's why I say you see, these things can become fleeting, and you know why they become fleeting? Like these messages of like what God's called us to be become, can become fleeting. It's because when Satan gets involved and challenges us, makes us run into conflict, a lot of us would choose to rather go back to comfort. If it's just about fixing my marriage, if it's just about helping my kids become men and women, if it's just about living out, if it's just about those things, but when you say this, listen, when the gospel is at stake, when eternity is at stake, 
Are you going to back away when it comes to your kids? Right? Because eternity is at stake in the lives of your children, married couples. Do you want to fight for it? Right? Because the point isn't, like, there's this thing inside of Scripture that's really hard to understand, but he says, when you live or have a desire to live out the, the thing that God calls us to live out, he unlocks something that you can't. Like he does something in the heart of your children. He does something in the heart of other people. He says that when we're together for the gospel, when we believe and have the desire to live it out, the world is going to take notice. That's what he says. But see, this is what we know, right? And if you have a Bible, this is where we're gonna go today or this is what we're gonna try to do. So in Jeremiah, so we're gonna be in Jeremiah 17. And then we're gonna go to Ephesians 5. Here's what I'm gonna try to help you get today. Right, or help you get a picture of. Whether you like this or not, this is why you still are alive and taking breath. Right? So in the Old Testament, we see this. God said, I'm going to create the nation of Israel. I'm going to give you a set of rules. Right? So he gave him a set of rules, and he gave him parameters to live within, and this is what he said. If you live within the parameters or if you live within the rules, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be able to carry out the will that I have for your life. So if you live inside of the parameters of what God's laid for you, so it's the law or the things that he tells you to do, you're going to be able to carry out the will of God in your life. And you know what the other thing you're going to be able to do? This is what he says. So nation of Israel, when you live inside of my will, if when you live inside of the things that I've called, when you obey my commands, an unbelieving world is going to say, I need to know something about the God of Israel. Right? I mean, that's what it says. So if you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament says, because of the nation of Israel and because God was for them, nations that were far bigger, far more economically well off, far more from an army perspective could take over the nation of Israel, they stood in awe, not of the nation of Israel, but the God of the nation of Israel. So for the nation of Israel, it was not about them. You know when they got in trouble? You know when they got in trouble? When they decided that life was about them. When they made a decision to say, you know what, I'd rather, I get what you're saying, God, but you know, I'm, I know better than you, so we're gonna make this decision, and we're gonna make this decision, and we're gonna do these things, right? And when they did those things, not only did they live outside of the will of God, the God now of the universe, the God of Israel, was not looked upon with favor because he couldn't interact on their behalf. So people were looking at all other types of gods, Right, so in this, I want you to see the same thing for you today. The things that are going to matter for you in the end, right, as much as we want our marriages to work the way we want them to work, the much as we want our kids to turn out the way we want them to turn out, as much as we want... <laughs> is that me? That is me? Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's just added effect, <laughs> right? <laughs> as much as we want all of those things, right? We want all of those things to be the way. The only thing that's going to matter in the end, the reason that you still have breath today, is, is that the greatest accomplishment you will have on this earth is not a good marriage or not good kids. It's bringing people to Jesus. It's the only thing that matters in the end. And so if you want a reason to fight for design? You want a reason to fight for it? 
You want a reason to, again, teach your kids about design? The gospel's at stake. Their eternity's at stake. The people around you, eternity is at stake. That should be motivation for each one of us. So as we read through Jeremiah and then we read Ephesians, I want to give you a little picture. So the nation of Israel, God said, I'm going to have favor in you and I'm going to protect you as long as you stay within my law and the things that I do. But the nation of Israel chose a lot of times to not do, you know, the things that God called them to do. And so Jeremiah, who was a prophet at the time, is now speaking to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. And before this, if you read the the story before this in Jeremiah that leads up to what we're going to talk about today, the problem was, he says, because of their stubborn hearts, they were now in the place that they're at. Because they chose to be stubborn and not listen to what God has. And again, that could be a lot of us here today. Well, I'm going to be stubborn enough. I've lived this way long enough as a man. I'm not changing. I've lived long enough as a woman like this way. I'm not changing. We've made it work. I'm not changing. I'm just telling you, listen, the God of the universe doesn't care if you've made it work. The God of the universe doesn't care from the standpoint of of you're too stubborn to change. In fact, he talks about, for those that are stubborn, he would say to to Jeremiah and to the nation of Israel, tell them this, you got a real problem. And and when you make these decisions, you're going to be outside of the favor of God. So now let's learn from Jeremiah 17, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. So this is what I'm hoping for at the end of this message. I'm hoping that by the end of this, you have something that's going to last, something that's not going to be fleeting, something that's not like, oh, we listened to a good message on how to be a man, good message on how to be a woman, good message on what we should be doing about our marriage, but pretty soon you're just on to the next new thing. But I'm hoping today the motivation for you to do all things will be settled today, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's men, whether it's women. We're going to settle something in our heart. The motivation to stay inside of the will of God, he talks about it here in Jeremiah 17. So let's read it. Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5, says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So he says, in the beginning, you're going to have a choice. There are going to be people, and if you didn't know this, let me remind you of this. Our flesh is always at battle with the will of God. Does that make sense? Like your desires. So the desires of the heart are always at conflict with the desires of God, right? That's going to be things. So he says, cursed is the man, right? Cursed is the man who gives in to the desires of the heart over the desires of God, right? Like you're always going to have this choice, right? So he says at the end of that, like cursed is the one who trusts a man who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart, right? So this is what I want you to start with. For us to be able to move forward, you're going to have to have a decided heart, okay? And I want you to hear this because this is really important, If you don't have a decided heart, when life becomes unfair, your heart's going to shift. You see, I have had a decided heart for a really long time, and I'm thankful for that. Like, I learned a long time ago, life's not fair. In fact, the things that happen in life make no sense to me. But you know why I'm still here? For the gospel. It's the only reason. I think about it all the time. 
I process it all the time. I want to make decisions about it all the time because I have a decided heart. Why still have breath on this earth regardless that I live in an unfair world? It's not going to keep me from preaching the message that will change the lives of people, right? And you're going to have to be there because I guarantee, if you haven't experienced this, anybody ever experienced the unfairness of life? Yeah. Like it just ain't right. Like, The things that happen just aren't the way they're supposed to be. So you can make a decision to give in with the desires of the flesh and move off course. Or you can say, I'm a decided heart. The enemy's not going to win, and the gospel's going to move forward. Right? That's a decided heart. A decided heart is regardless of what happens in this world because the enemy's going to try to destroy. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can go home, right? When you decide while you're here that your heart is focused on together for the gospel, that that we're going to do stuff for the gospel, what could keep you away from doing what God calls us to do? So he says from the beginning, have a decided heart. Then he goes on and he talks about the person that makes these decisions towards the flesh. He says, the person will be like a, a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Here's the picture Jeremiah is giving the nation of Israel, and I think he wants each one of us to see. So you know the one thing about free will? So free will meaning inside of of Scripture, inside of following God. He tells you what to do, but you know what? You get a choice, right? You get to choose to do whatever you want to do. So he's saying... You can give in to the desires of the flesh and you can chase the things that you think will fulfill you because that's what the desires of the flesh do. Are we on the same page? Like when you follow the desires of the flesh, it's like, if I do these things, I'm going to be full, right? So he says, if you follow the desires of the flesh, you can do this as someone who says, I believe in Jesus. You can go follow whatever you want to follow, but you know what you're going to be like? And I think this is interesting. You see, he doesn't talk about you're going to be dead out in the middle of the desert. He says that you're just going to dwell in a wasteland. You're going to be like a bush in a wasteland in a desert because this is what life, and I think maybe you could like uh, relate to this. If you've ever chased the desires of the world, it won't fill you. Anybody? Like you chased it and you chased it and you finally caught it and you look around and it's not full. It's like being like a bush in a barren wasteland. Like I'm still living, but I'm not thriving. I tried to fill myself, but now I'm empty. Like you did everything possible to make it so that you were good. And now you look around and you still are a bush, but you're out in the middle of a wasteland where you feel empty and dry and everything has went away. You can try it yourself. And I think if you talk to people that could testify to this, that have tried it themselves, yeah, you can do it and you can live but it's going to be in a barren wasteland where you're not going to thrive and you're not going to feel the presence and you're not going to feel the feeling, the, the feeling that God gives each one of us. Because then he goes on and he says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. They will send out roots that it sends out its roots by the stream. Now, some of you have been wondering for a long time, what are they building on the side of the stage? Anybody? Right? You're like, what in the world is this thing? And then when it started to look like a tree, somebody like, that's a tree? Yeah. So here's what we wanted you to see. So the, the tree up here is a, is a representation of kind of where we 
you're going to be at a choice, right? So if you look at this tree, you're going to see this tree, but this tree still doesn't have any leaves and the tree doesn't have any fruit, right? Well, here's what Jeremiah says to the nation of Israel, which I think is very important. Do you see how he says that this tree needs to send its roots somewhere? Did you see that? Like the tree has to make a decision to send its roots somewhere because you know where the tree's roots will naturally grow in a wasteland? To the top, wherever the water is, right? That's what, it, what happens with trees. Like if there's water out there, the tree is going to go across the land to find the closest place that there's going to be water. It's not going to naturally go down. So he says, you're going to have to be a tree that tells its roots where to go because we, like the nation of Israel, go to the place where we can find the quickest relief. True? So think about this in your life. You try to find the places so when things aren't going very good and all stuff starts something to dry up and right over here is something that's gonna quench your thirst, what do we normally do? Yeah, you go drink. Like you move, you move the, the root over there. You go to the place that it is. And all of a sudden, because like on the surface, this doesn't look bad, does it? So on the surface of a tree that has roots that are this deep, it's not a problem until what? Drought and storm. Right? Like you can be a person that spreads its roots out and goes to the place that's going to make them the most comfortable, and no one's ever going to notice it until the drought comes or the storm comes. Because you know what happens to a tree that's not rooted when the storm comes? Blows over. You know what happens when the drought comes? There's no more leaves. Right? So he says, listen, you got to get this. And young people, I want you to hear this. You have to make a decision to tell your roots where to go. You know where it tells you they need to go? To the stream that will never run out of water. Listen, part of the problem in this series, I think, is, you know, maybe I haven't done a good job of teaching it and we've kind of missed the point. You know what I think the best thing, parents, you could teach your young people before they're ever in a relationship? Where to put their roots, because here's what they're going to find. Young people, listen to me. If you don't know this, I'm going to tell you this. When you go out there, young ladies, and you try to be a godly woman in a relationship, it is not going to be accepted in the world. When you won't put out, anybody? When you're not going to give in and you're going to do, you will have pressure. And I'm hoping your mother taught you or your mother is teaching you that all the pressure can come in from the world and you might feel lonely and you might feel alone and all of your friends are giving into it and all of your friends are doing it, but you will never be alone because your roots are in the place where he will never leave you alone. I hope that's the greatest thing we teach our daughters. You know why? It's good for them to learn it young. Because here's what they're going to find out when they get married someday. They're going to be lonely. Any women? Right? When guys kind of lose focus, we leave our wives at home. A few of us, right? 
Like we just take off, we go, we do, we don't think about, and we'll be home. And, and so as a wife, your daughter has already learned this before she ever becomes a wife. When I get lonely, I know where to go because this never goes away. I'm going to go back to the one who will always love me because you know how many daughters are gonna have heartache before they ever get married. And they're gonna wonder what's wrong with me and what did I do and how am I, you know, what do I need to do different? And when your roots are in the, the stream that never goes away, he's gonna say, you know what, young lady, you're a daughter of the king. Don't let that little moron say anything about you. And I'm not picking on guys, I'm just saying. Every once in a while, young men, because it's going to be the same thing, guys, right? Guys, if you want to teach your, like, we kind of get in this, I want to teach my kid to have hard work. I want to teach my kid to open door. I want you to, too, but I want to teach your son to stop being a moron. Stop putting the pressure on the girls. Get deep in the roots. Go to the stream that's never going to go away. Push them to the place where we don't accept our sons not reading Scripture. And our son's just giving the excuse, well, I'm the man where none of us know anything. It's all okay. Are we not living in that culture? We're not living in a culture that's accepting. We'll accept a hardworking young man who opens the door for ladies but could care less about Scripture. And we're proud of it. I'm like, dude, I want you to have it all. Like, I want you to open the door. And I want you to work hard. But man, what I want to pour into my boys is a love for the Lord and a love for other people. And I want them to be grounded because at the end of the day, that's where they're gonna draw all their strength from. Because someday it ain't gonna be good. Someday their lifestyle is gonna be challenged. Your young men today, fathers, if you teach them to be followers of Jesus Christ, they will not be accepted. They're not. If you teach them to make decisions of being a man based upon what scripture they are going to have times of loneliness. They're gonna struggle in times where they're not like their friends. And they're gonna to have to make a decision, where do I find it, where do I find it? And he says, tell your roots where to go. So let's teach that, right? And let's teach it for each other. Where do we need to do the first thing we need to do to be together for the gospel? We can't, again, can't fix husbands, can't do any of Let's just put our roots where they need to go. Let's go to the place that never runs out of water. Right, tells us to do that in the beginning, and it gives us the reason why. He says, because it does not fear when the heat comes. So when you're a tree, right, and, and your roots are in the water, you don't have to worry, right? Because he makes something very clear. It's not if heat ever comes. He's telling you heat is coming. Drought is coming. Pain is coming. Unfairness in the world is coming. Problems are coming. Like, you don't have to worry. You know why you don't have to worry? Because your roots are where they're supposed to be. You know, not, you know why you don't have to carry those burdens? Because your roots are where they're supposed to be. Because he says in that, and if they are in those places, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. See, if I could give you, so young people, if I could just give you any type of like look into the future, I want you to understand this. Drought is coming. Drought's coming. The world is full 
of drought. The world is full of challenges. The world is full of difficulty. He says, listen, these things are coming. But if you want to make sure that you are a tree that prospers and bears fruit, like you can do all of you can, but at the end of the day, the only thing that you can control, the only thing in this world that you can control is where your roots are. Right? Like the only thing that you're going to be able to control in all of this, because we can't control the situations. We don't know how long the drought's going to be. We don't know how long the person's going to react. We don't know how long all these things are going to happen, but we can know this. If your roots are in the right place, you will. Leaves will be green and you will bear fruit. You see, Jesus knew that part of the problem with people was that they were going to struggle with this concept. So in Matthew 11, verse 28, he talks to him about this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know why he says that right from the beginning? Come all you who are weary and heavy burden. You know why you're weary and heavy burden? If it's not already bad enough to live in a world that's unfair, already bad enough to carry around our own burdens, when you carry around burdens that are not yours, anybody getting weary in life? Worrying about things that you should never worry about? Like, ladies, listen to me. You're going to wear yourself out trying to fix your husband. Anybody? Is, it, is that your burden? Is it your burden to fix your husband? No. Guys, you're going to wear yourself out trying to convince your wife. Well, she, like, you're going to wear yourself out. Moms, you're going to wear yourself out trying to control the outcome of your children. Anybody tried to raise any? Like you're wearing yourself out. Like if I do the wrong thing, like if I say the wrong thing, if I, if I you know, do this, they're not going to like me. If I do this, then they're going to be upset. If they do this, they might do it. Nah, nah, nah. You know how you just run through every scenario? You're going to wear yourself out. That's not your burden to bear. It's not your burden to bear. You know, people are like, well, I want to be able to go out and I want to be able to share the gospel. What if I say the wrong thing? And what if I do the wrong thing? And what if they say no? And what if they say, like, if I come up to them and say, I want you to go to church? And they're like, I hate Jesus because of you. That's not your burden to bear. He says, you know why you're wore out? It's because you're trying to control things you were never made to control. Your burden isn't the outcome. You know why you're so weary? It's because you don't trust me. That's what he's saying. You know why you want to be in control of the outcome of these things? Because you don't trust me. Because here's what I've told you. If you tell your roots where to go, what's the promise? Your leaves will be green and you will bear fruit. That's what it says. Your leaves will be green and you will bear fruit. Our responsibility isn't how things turn out. Our responsibility is to control the things we can control. You know what you can control? Not the outcome of your husband, not the outcome of your wife, not the outcome of your kids, not the outcome of whether somebody comes and gets saved. You know what you can do? Get your roots where they need to go. 
in Jesus puts your place where you know that if you trust him, right, if you do these things, like the hardest thing I think for people to recognize is like you're not, like you think you're in control, you're not in control. Like I know you think you're in control, but what he's trying to say to here is like, here's, here's part of your problem, like part of your problem. And, and I had this discussion the other day with somebody like, listen, you understand that this is our job. So in business, we were talking about business. So our job in business is to get up every day, put one foot in front of the other, right? And work as hard as we can, true? Like that's our job, get up, work hard, do the things that God's called us to do. Like, and, and, but you know what the trap is? The trap is because I've done, anybody following that trap? Because I worked so hard, because I made a decision, because I did, this is the outcome. Listen. In a moment, God could take everything from you. In a moment. It is not yours. This is not your business. It is not your money. It's not your home. They are not your kids. In a moment, those things could change. And he teaches us, listen, at the end of the day, the only thing you have control of is this earth is put your roots where they need to go where the water never runs out. Because if you're gonna to try to control the other things, you're gonna get lost in the whole thing that God's called you to do. Now, we're gonna to go to Ephesians 5, which is a different perspective. So in, in Jeremiah, the perspective was like, the drought's coming and you're living in a world that's difficult. Get your roots where they need to be. Put them deep into the water. Allow God to take care of you and focus on that. So in Ephesians, he flips it a little bit and he goes to, there's, a, there's another problem, right, in the world. And it's when you're deceived. You see, he was saying to the nation of Israel and Jeremiah, like, you recognize the land is parched. I better get my roots to where the water is because you can see it. Somebody told you. Paul's going to address something that I honestly think inside of our world is probably more prevalent than anything. People being deceived, thinking they don't need to make their roots go anywhere. Does that make sense? Like, when you're looking at Jeremiah... <laughs> When you're looking in Jeremiah, the idea is you see it, and when you see it, you're like, I better do something about it. I can either be like the bush or I can be like the tree. But in Ephesians, Paul's talking about this idea that people are going to be deceived, so we better figure out something to do with that and not be the ones that are deceived. So here's what he says in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as wise, or not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So he gives this picture and he talks about the days being evil and he's saying, you better be careful. And you know why he was saying that? Back then, the problem was, or what Paul was trying to address was, you better be careful because the days are evil because the people of Satan have infiltrated the church. And they made what was not okay in scripture now okay, and you don't know any different. That's what he was saying. He's like, you're living in a time where a false teacher has went into your church and said, like, this is what we need to do. You need to be okay with it. And they were living under those false pretenses. So he's like, you better be careful. The times are evil, right? And it's really no different for us. Let's just be honest. Here's what's happened in the Christian church today. 
The Christian church today has chosen to allow things that scripture has called evil to now be okay. True? Like scripture flat out says, this is a sin. This is evil. These are the things that God doesn't want. The church over time has given into culture and just flat out said, okay, we get it. It's like, I get it. That doesn't make any sense anymore. So not only have we accepted what God doesn't, we celebrate it. We celebrate what God has called sin and you sit inside of a church and you don't know any different. You don't know any different. You're deceived. You're at a place where anybody could come in and say anything, and he's saying, for you, you're going to have to get wise, right? Because here's the reality. Um, deception is one of Satan's greatest tools because it keeps you from doing anything. See, if I've always said, like, open up your eyes and, and recognize what the problem is because, you know, when, when you recognize what the problem is, at least you have a decision to either keep your roots shallow or make your roots grow deep. At least you have a decision. When you're deceived, there's no reason to do anything. And I think there are people in the world today that aren't going to do anything other than attend church and attend Bible studies and go out and, and be religious and they're going to stand in front of Jesus someday and he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. And that's not my opinion. That's what scripture says. And I'm not going to know who you are because you didn't put your roots deep. You just made them wide and you did religious things. And at the end of the day, I don't even know who you are. Right? So Paul's saying, wake up. Right? Get wise. The church, people calling themselves under the heading of God, accepting what he says is evil, isn't okay. That isn't okay. And when we see that, he goes on and he says this, because we know this, therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, listen, don't get caught up. Don't be foolish, right? You know the way you cannot be foolish? Do God's will. Everybody knows what God's will is, right? Same for every single person in this room. What's God's will? Reach people for Jesus. It's all the same. We all do it in different ways, true? Uniquely made, uniquely designed, uniquely all of those things. But God's will for your life, there is no argument about what God's will is. There is no argument about what God's going to hold you accountable for. There is no argument on what you're supposed to be doing. Your will, why you still have breath on this earth and age doesn't matter. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. God's will's the same. You have breath today because there's still somebody to reach. Right? The will of God. That's what he says. You know, for each one of us, we need to be able to be, don't be foolish, do the will of God. In fact, he says, you know what's going to, that's going to keep you from doing the will of God? So you know what happens in a lot of people, like some people just get drunk for fun, right? And for anybody, you know, and I know there's not very many people out there, but for all of you guys that have got drunk, you kind of become numb to everything around you. For the few of you, Right? <laughs> For the few of you that have made decisions that aren't good, but you've made decisions and you've either drank or you've done drugs, 
that what the things around you are, you become numb to them, right? And so the concept of what he's trying to get us to say is, is here's what's going to happen in the world, because this is what happens to people today. When the stress and the heat of the world comes in, drugs and alcohol and these things are an escape to make you numb to the things we need to be awake to. True? Right? Like alcohol and drugs and these types of things, like the pressures of life come in, and you're like, the only way I can handle the pressures of life is just to become numb to them. Right? Take those things away. And so he's saying the same concept. You can't become numb to what's going on. We're living in a world where the people that you love are possibly going to hell in a Christless eternity. Don't become numb to that. You know why, how he tells us how you don't become numb to it? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what we know. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will have a sensitivity to your mission on this earth that's like no other thing. Because when the Holy Spirit's awake and alive inside of you, you think of most of your decisions that having an effect on eternity. Because there's this sensitivity that now you see the world the way God sees the world. You know that the time is limited. The days are evil. I only have, I don't know that I get tomorrow. I don't know that my friend gets tomorrow. I don't know if my kids get tomorrow. There's this sensitivity. I'm not wasting time. I'm not gonna waste time. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and don't be foolish in that. Now, what is some things? Let's talk about some practical things. What are some practical things that we can do to be together for the gospel? Okay, here's the first thing. Read and understand the Bible as your authority. Okay, now that seems like that should make sense, right? Like see the Bible as your authority. But here's what I want you to hear today because this is something that's new that I think has happened over the last five years or so. Something new inside of the Christian churches. Lots of people are teaching the Bible but not teaching it as authority. Here's what they're doing. Like here's my agenda I'm going to teach what the Bible says about it to move people to the place where I want them to go. So they're teaching the Bible to further an agenda that fits in with the cultural things that are happening of the day, right? So you can go to a church that teaches the Bible, but you know where it gets rough? When it comes to the place of, well, I don't like what it says, so we're not going to teach it. It doesn't further my agenda. It doesn't further anything that we do. You need to go to a church and you need to listen to people that teach it as authority, not whether you like it or don't like it. It is what it is. So when you look at design, you know, when we go back and say, this is the design of man, this is the design of woman, this is what God calls us to do. It's not a suggestion, it's authority. You can choose not to do it and you can choose to live outside of it, but if the Bible's authority, then here's what we know that's gonna happen if you live outside of the authority of God, right? We need to be the place where we trust, back to what he said, trust what he said from the beginning. If we live under his authority, right, you will be able to live out the will of God in ways that only you can because you're living under his authority and the gospel will be spread just because you choose to trust him. I know that doesn't seem like, that doesn't, like, yeah, you're not really excited about that, but you should be really excited about that. When you can live under the authority and you can trust him, the gospel will be furthered. Here's the other thing. Trust and celebrate what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman based upon what scripture says, right? So you're gonna have to get to the place, guys, where you're gonna have to land on something. Do I trust what God said about me being the head, headship? 
Do I trust what God said for me about being a woman? And not only that, will I celebrate it? Not look at it and be like, oh my gosh, and I don't like it, but will we celebrate what God says? Here's the other one that I want us to do. Teach and train those around you and teach and train those who are behind you. Here's my challenge. So in March, I want you to invite somebody to church, and in March, I want you to find women. I want you to find three people that you can train. Three people. Take three people, and I want you to sit around, and, I, and again, you don't have to have all of the answers. You can just take the same thing that we've done. This is what Scripture says, and let's talk about what it means for my life. That's it. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't even have to be doing it. Right? You just have to say, this is what scripture says, and we need to talk about it. We need to discuss it. We need to go down these roads. Guys, same thing. Find three guys. Because here's what I want you to see. If that happened over the course of a year, and then went to two years, and then to three years, you know, if one becomes three, and three becomes... Do you see how that would multiply? Do you see how those things are going to change? Not only did you hear a message, now we're going to change the culture one life at a time one life at a time, but you're going to have to do something about it. You can't just walk out of here and say like, okay, I've learned this for myself, but I can't share it with anybody else. Pick three people, spend six months or a year with them and say, I'm going to try to multiply myself specifically based upon what this says. It means to be a man, it means to be a woman. All right, the worship team is going to come back up and I want to give you this last one. This one, and I know it's narrow, but I want it to be narrow. We've talked about a lot of different subjects, but married couples, listen to me. The reason that it's important to continue the fight is for the gospel. You see, I know what you're thinking. So for anybody that's been married for a while, I know this because I hear this. Why would I come back to the table? I've said the same things how many times? Nobody. Right? Like, why are we going to continue to talk about it? We've said, I've said this to him over and over and over again, and guess what? He's not listening. Keep coming to the table. It's not about him listening. It's about the gospel. Husbands, I know that you came and you talked to your wives and you really wanted to go back out to the garage. True? Because sometimes when you stir that stuff up, it don't go very well. Like when you start saying like, hey, did you hear what Mike said? They're like, well, I don't agree with him anyway. What, what do you want to say? <laughs> it gets hard, right? I'm saying stay at the table. You know why you should stay at the table? Because the gospel's at sake. Mom and dads, listen to me. Fight for your marriage. Fight for a relationship with your kids. Because it's the same thing. You know why you keep bringing your kids around the table? Because you wonder sometimes, because they never talk, right? Like you sit them around the table and you want to have a conversation with them and you want to talk deep and their answers are yes, no. Keep bringing them around the table because there is going to be a time. There is going to be a time where they're going to want to have a deep conversation and you're going to be the one they came to because you're the one who fought for their relationship. You're the one who chose to take the time. Listen, at the end of the day, don't stop fighting. Don't stop men, young men, don't stop fighting what it means to be a man of God. Young women, don't stop fighting what it means to be a woman of God. Couples, don't stop fighting for what God has because 
what's at stake isn't good kids or good marriages. What's at stake is the gospel. We need to be a people that will fight for those things that are worth fighting for and the lives of eternity are worth fighting for. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, when we come to you today, we recognize the difficulty in fighting the good fight, staying on course, Lord. I pray today for the people in the room that their roots have been shallow and they're feeling barren. You have a choice. Direct your roots to the place where the water will never go away. Lord, I pray for the young men and young ladies in this room that they won't make a decision to get deep roots until it's too late. Lord, today they will make a decision. There are no excuses. I'm going to make my roots deep. I'm going to put my, my, my hope and my trust in the water that will never go away. Lord, I pray that anybody who's feeling barren will find you today. And Lord, I pray most of all that we won't be deceived, but we'll have the courage to live out design, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, and live in the way that God has called us to live, the way you've called us to live, so that we can see a revival, not only in our own hearts, but in the world that is desperately seeking you. You have said, the harvest is plentiful, Lord, but we're going to change it. The workers are going to be many, not few. We want to be a part of the harvest, Lord. Allow us to be a part of that harvest. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So I hope if this series did anything, it would be to land on that. I'm gonna put my trust in him and him alone. And I'm gonna have faith that if I trust him, the outcomes of my life, the outcomes of my family, the outcomes are all up to him. I just need to trust him. And he will be a firm foundation. So as we go out this week, we have a, uh, a thing that you can take home with you, a resource that you can hang up on your fridge, you can put it on your mirror, uh, wherever you want. Something to remind you what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. If you're watching online, if you put in the comment section that you want one, we'll get one for you. But we're hoping you'll take this, use it as a resource, remind us every day what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, living out design. And again, we're thankful that you're here at the main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We look forward to you guys coming back next week as we start our new series called Easter People. See you next week.